everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Balance Chaos Podcast. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you for bearing with us. We took another week off due to COVID. <laughs> no, we're just, we're just having things in uh, like cycles. So it's my turn. <laughs> now it's Brooks. Now, now we're good, guys. We're back. Yeah. I like when Kristen does it first. <laughs> <laughs> then my family followed suit. But no, in real, all honesty, everything's good. We're back in action. Feeling good. Yes. Also, we did not see each other in between. So I didn't give it to her. <laughs> Curious. Yeah, I did not. I got it from a wedding. I did not get it from Kristen. <laughs> she would like the world to know she's not a super spreader. <laughs> yeah, I would like everyone to know I did my time. I stayed home. <laughs> uh, all right. So, um, yeah, we're here. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to talk. We're, we're excited to talk to each other. So um, <laughs> it'll be a great episode or we'll just be laughing a lot. But we're going to talk about difficult people. Yeah, I love this topic because I think that everybody has someone in their life somewhere at some time that is difficult for them. <laughs> yeah, or multiple people or multiple situations. But um, the thing is, like, as you hear in yoga classes or from us, like, you can't change people and you can't change what they're going to say or how they're going to act. The only thing you can change is your reaction to it. Yes. Or, or what you're willing to tolerate. Yes. Yes. So we're going to talk about reactions and also what you're putting up with and boundaries. Yeah. How to like maybe separate yourself from some of those people that are difficult for you and, and what they're, what they could be showing you um, about yourself or about what you need as far as boundaries in your life or whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. I actually love this topic because once you tune in a little bit and become aware, there's subtle signs everywhere. And there's so many learning experiences and things that you can gain from the difficult people in your life. Yes. And and it's kind of cool to see like, Oh, this isn't a coincidence. (laughs) Right. This isn't just like happening. There's something, there's something bigger, right? (laughs) So, um, we're going to talk about difficult people in your life, maybe at home, maybe at work, your family, your friends, your kids, um, or maybe even just somebody that you meet by chance who really, uh, triggers some things or strikes Rinds your gears. gears. (laughs) One of my favorite things. It really grinds my gears. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. So yeah, let's Let's dive in. Okay. I think the first thing you need to start with is awareness. Become aware of when you feel triggered. Yeah. Yeah. Like become aware when you're with somebody and you're uncomfortable, like what's really happening? Like what's happening? First of all, what's happening in your body? Always. I like to check in with that. And what is it about it? Like, not just like, Oh, that person really gets me. Like ask yourself, like, what is it about that person that is getting you? Yeah. And do I feel okay when I'm with them? And is it when I leave and I think about the exchange that I'm triggered or is it in the moment? Because there's both. I've had people where I actually feel high vibrational when I'm with them, like, you know, excited, ecstatic. Then I leave and I'm like, wow, what did they mean when they said this? Or what they said by this? And then it hurts my own feelings later. So I have to separate. Is that me 
and it's an old trigger that maybe they've accidentally scratched and it's not about them? Yeah. Or is it something like, are they trying to, to make a dig at me? That's, I love that point because there is so often times that you're like, yeah, this is great. This is great. And you leave and you're like, wait, hold on. And you like replay conversations and have like a whole, I don't know, pity party for yourself or feel bad about things that you said as a result of something that they said. And it's just looking at that, like, is it something that's old? Is it something that, um, maybe I don't like who I am when I'm around them or is it just, I don't know that. Oh, that's true because different people do pull out different parts of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I know like sometimes I'm like, Oh, what, what is happening? This isn't how I want to talk or act or like think these aren't the things I want to care about or think about right now. But when you're with certain people or having a conversation, they might bring it out in you. And we all have lots of different sides and layers and parts of ourselves. So it's just like noticing, is this a part of myself that I want to feed into? Or is this a part that doesn't really make me feel good? And maybe I need to distance myself from. Yeah, that's very important. Okay, so let's start with work, dealing with difficult people at work. That's just an easy place to start. Yeah. Uh, I think that a lot of times it depends what's going on in your life. Like if you're somebody who only has work, you don't have a family, maybe like you have extended family, but not a lot going on at home. And let's say your whole life is work. I notice that those people are more prone to drama at work. Does that make sense? Cause they have nothing that makes them feel alive at home. So yeah, it's like where you're getting, it's where you're getting all of your social interaction from. All of your relationships are, from work. So you're going to look into them maybe a little bit more than somebody who comes home and has, you know, kids and a family and four children and family, and maybe they're taking care of their parents as well. Right. Because I have noticed that and I've noticed it in different working situations in my life. Yes, absolutely. And so it's paying attention to, is this person so dramatic? Let me use the word dramatic, dramatic at work or petty or care about like every little schedule change or every change is it because they have nothing going on at home and this is where they feel alive. And so this is where they need to work out all of their relationship shit. Yeah. And then the people who don't seem like they care at work. Well, this is their billionth thing on their plate. (laughs) So they don't have the capacity to care about this and that's okay too. Yeah. And I do think that's part of that awareness, like knowing where different people are in their lives and not taking things so personally. Right. So if you have somebody who's getting upset with you at work or is more difficult or has all this stuff, look at their life. Like, is this, is this it? Is this what's their only, I don't know, place to, to do all this? And if it is, then Give them a little, give them a little break. They a little, well, this is where empathy can take you away yes. from judgment. Mm-hmm. And it can stop you. You could realize like, okay, this isn't about me. They just need something to focus on right now. And I happen to be that something. <laughs> I'm in the line of fire. <laughs> right. And I think with work, you also have to look at, okay, if you have to work with this person, so let's say you're in an office scenario where the people that you work with every day are not changing. They're not going anywhere. So it's not like you can draw a strict boundary of I'm not dealing with them. Like, let's say you have to deal with them. Mm -hmm. It's learning. Okay. What triggers me about them? And I'm going to make some silly examples, but maybe what triggers you about them is that they take a lot of breaks and they take longer to finish their work than you do. 
maybe that's because you are in a situation where when you get to work, you are so focused and fixated on work that you're not taking breaks. You're not stopping to take your full lunch. You're not stopping to pee when you need to pee. Um, you're not taking the days off, even though they're in your contract. Yeah. And so the person that can take little breaks is irritating the hell out of you because they have no problem. Like this work isn't their life. Right. Yeah. You need to look at that. Um, I know I've had scenarios like that. Like when I'm working, not in my job now, I'm not that hard of a worker now, but just kidding. Um, (laughs) So lazy. You're so lazy. (laughs) When I was working in more of like a team capacity, yeah, I would start to calculate how much I was getting done in a day and how much maybe my counterpart was getting done. And it was my own issue. It was because of that. Like it was just that I worked really fast. I would ignore my body all day. So I was annoyed when other people didn't do that. Oh, totally. I, I was just thinking, laughing to myself. My first, when I first started uh, doing hair, the guy I assisted for worked from forever. And so that was like also my introduction to, he worked from seven 30 in the morning till seven 30 at night, no break, no lunch break, no nothing. Usually like three people at a time. And when people would come in, at like nine or 10 o'clock, he's like, Oh, you're working bankers hours. So I was like, Oh yeah, I guess I can't do that. But, and then I kind of made that my truth for a long time. Like I have to work so hard. Otherwise I'm just like lazy and working like what? No. And then I would be like, how are these people taking this time off? How can they come in at this time? And it's like, cause they don't want to be here for their whole lives. I, like, no. That's yeah. And you don't have to either, but no. it's establishing that boundary for yourself. I realized too, since Grayson's gone to school, I've made my work hours around his school hours because right. I do want to have a life where I get to spend time with my child. I don't want to pay for extra child care and have somebody else raise him when I can be off of that time. Right. I've noticed that has triggered people. They're like, well, why don't you take clients in the evening? What do you mean you don't work evenings? How do you cater to people who work nine to five? Truthfully, I don't. And I'm okay yeah. with it. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I mean, that's it. Like we do get to choose what kind of life we have. And when you realize that it is going to trigger some people because not everyone's ready to accept that. And, um, it is, it is funny the way that people will react to when you set some boundaries and decide you're not doing this or that. I, people are always surprised when I'm like, oh, I'm doing, I'm working this time to this time because I used to work so much. And they're like, that's it. I'm like, yep, that's it. I have four children that I like, that I like. And yeah, I want to be around. I want to exactly. hang out with them sometimes. Well, I think it also, it might shock people initially, But then they realize like, wait, okay, Kristen, let's just use Kristen, for example. Kristen is living the life she wants to live and taking care of her children and involved with her children. I can have that too if I make a new choice. And then it gives them the permission to kind of pivot and shift. Um, I want to give a shout out to my mom because I feel like she's done this. Like she enjoys her grandchild and she enjoys, she's very social. She likes to be able to have time to go out with her friends and do things. And so she's set that boundary with like, if I'm off at four, I'm leaving at four and she's not explaining it to anybody because there's people who will work extra hours. Yeah. That's because they choose to, and they want to, she's not bad for not wanting to work extra hours. She, her work isn't her life, her life, her work provides for her life. She's not working because it's her life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's had to say that. And then I think once she said it, she, it's like a breath of fresh air. She feels better. There's not the pressure of, oh, they expect me, even though I'm off at four to be here till four 30. No. Right. And sometimes stating it 
kind of loosens the pressure valve or like takes the pressure off. Yeah. And now that expectation is gone. Nobody's going to ask you now or expect you to be here until 430 because you set that standard. Yeah. Because I don't she's like, I don't do that. The end. Yeah. But yeah, it's just it's funny how how at different times you can be triggered by different things and noticing what that is helps to bring you to more awareness. Yeah. So at work specifically, if you're dealing with, let's, let's change it to a client perspective. Like let's say you take clients and you have clients who seem to be difficult or you don't like, I think one of the best things you can do for alignment and to increase your abundance is say no to those people because the universe responds to that. So like if I'll use myself as, as an example, I'm at a point in my career where I don't spend an hour with anybody that I don't want to spend an hour with. And the moment I started doing that, I started liking the people I was working with better because the universe was like, oh, you don't want clients like this. You want the ones like this. And then it started sending me more of the ones I wanted. Yeah, because, and also if you're around or taking clients that you don't like, and then you spend all your time complaining about how you don't like your clients, guess what you're getting more of? Clients you don't like. don't like, exactly. So if you set that boundary of like, look, and it does, it could be any career. If you're not a yeah. wellness practitioner, let's say you're a hairdresser or an esthetician, you could decide, okay, that doesn't work for me. And you can tell that person nicely, maybe I'm not the esthetician for you. And, and that's okay. I, I encourage you to go find somebody who matches your vibration better. Or like a hairdresser. If you have a client that complains every time they get their hair done, tell them that like you encourage them to go find somebody else that, that they leave happy. It's not worth it. It's so draining. I remember like I stopped taking people I didn't like in hair years ago, but there was definitely a time I didn't. I had this assistant. Um, if she's listening, Michelle, thank you for this. She said to me, there was this one client who was just like she was just wasn't nice in her like her the conversations she would have just were so uncomfortable. I was like, I hope no one hears this. It was just weird. And one day she's like, stop. Why are you? why are you putting her in your book? And I was like, well, but she comes at this time that no one else is really coming. And I think it's fine. And I was, and I heard myself and I was like, what? No, you're right. No, I'm not sorry. And I was like, sorry, I can't get you in anymore. The end. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because that time that you were like, well, she's the only one who can come at this time. Once you move her out of that space, the universe is going to bring you somebody else yeah. that can fit into that time. She was just taking up the space for that time. Exactly. I was like, I heard, I heard it as it came out. I'm like, she's the the only person that can come <laughs> at this time. There's not somebody else. Like that's ridiculous, Kristen. Like get, get her out of there. Well, and what I'd I, like to point out about that, sorry, if you don't mind me interrupting you. No, go. You were rationalizing or justifying. Yes. And that goes against your intuition, but that is what a lot of us do to yeah. say to stay stuck. And it was like, I needed her to, to vocalize that to me. So I could say out loud my reasons like of why this was so important. And as soon as I said them out loud and not playing the story in my head, I was like, Oh, this, if somebody was saying this to me, I'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Get out right. of here. That is dumb. So, and I feel like that was a huge shift. She was probably one of the last ones, but it was like, I kicked her out and then everybody else left that I didn't like. Yeah, no, I noticed that too. As soon as I stopped taking on what I didn't want, those types of people, like I feel like, and I'm in an interesting industry. Like I do think a lot of people are curious. Mm -hmm. So they're coming because their friend had a good experience and they want to see if it's true. Like, is she going to be able to read me? Am I going to be a challenge for like, so I get a lot of people who would test me 
And it was irritating because I do put a lot of emphasis in love into my clients. And so to have somebody there that's just there to test me when I'm this busy and they're taking an appointment from somebody who would actually value what I'm doing was annoying, frankly. And so as soon as I was like, no, I'm not going to like, you like it. You told me flat out your husband's not spiritual and doesn't believe in this. So no, I'm not going to hold an appointment for him. Why? Like, I don't need to prove it to him. I don't care. Like, so I started, like, I started saying no to those. Then I stopped getting people as frequently that were in or just there to test me to see if I could read them. Yeah. And I also, I've noticed, cause I mean, I built my hair career a couple of times and now after, as I've been growing my, you know, wellness business and my, all of this other stuff, I'm in a space where I'm only taking people in the times that I want, the kinds of people I want. And it's like, it's been so wonderful. Like I just feel like all it's cause I'm at a vibrational match. Like the people that are coming to me are in this at the same level and we're getting, we're, benefiting each other. Like I feel really good helping them. They feel really good working with me, but it's like, I, I've taken away all those false stories that I told myself when I was building my hair career. So it's like, just great. I love you. Yeah. It's wonderful. I love you. It's wonderful wonderful that you were able to learn that much in your hair career and able to take those lessons with you into a whole new pivot, you know, as you pivot into a new industry, that's incredible. Yeah. And it, I mean, I really do. I believe this with all sorts of things. And, you know, we talk about this a lot, like taking the lessons. I, I do feel like that these, those years doing that has really prepared me for this and for growing, you know, our group events and doing all, all of those things. Cause I, I just have learned a lot about people in general and also like who I like to work with and spend my time with. And, you know, I think your career should be fun. It's, I love that. And I think people need to see somebody living that to know it can happen for them. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so with that being said, if you are in a job and like, let's say you've decided, you know what, my whole office is difficult. I get my triggers at this point. It's not just my triggers because I'm changing and I need to leave that job or that industry. Mm-hmm. Leave that industry with confidence and take your lessons. Know that you've built up the lessons. Don't fear that like, okay, I did this and I hated it. Now, if I make a new transition, am I going to hate it? You will not if you take your lessons with you. Yeah. But if you do not get your lessons and you blame outside (laughs) sources and you, you know, rationalize and justify, you are going to leave one industry or one place of business, go into a new industry or a new place of business and get hit with the exact same lessons. It just might be slightly different, different people presenting it. It's, it's true. Like the, it's like when you hear a story from someone, they're like, I worked here and it was terrible. I worked here and it was terrible. And I worked here and it was terrible. And it's like, well, Hey, boo boo, you're terrible. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But you're attracting it for a reason. You're not getting your lesson. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta take some look at the, at the inside, at the inside stuff of what's happening. Um, well, and sorry, I want to make a comment on people who, work at a job that they hate or in an industry they hate and they go into it solely for the rationalization of money or benefits. Like, okay, I have this business for years and I lost a bunch of money, but I went into it because I thought it would make a bunch of money. The reason that doesn't work is because it's not a vibrational alignment. So if you're doing something like, let's say you're not a fashion person, but you start start a fashion business and you're like, well, I know this is where the money is. So I'm going to start this fashion business. And then it fails. And you're like, well, now I'm starting my business in 
I don't know, greeting cards, <laughs> but this is what I love. This is my passion, but I'm so fearful because I had that business that failed. Well, you have to look at, it's completely different now because now you're following your passion and yeah. with passion money comes, but chasing money, it, I mean, you're bound to lose. Yeah. If you're chasing something that you don't care about, you're never going to put the right Energy into it. Yeah. 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 Like the heart, the energy, love, all of that's not going to be there. So of course it's going to fail. Right. Well, that's why I like, it's like, (laughs) you look at like a business, like let's, let's just talk about realtors, for example, because Uh there is a lot of realtors in in the world. Mm -hmm. So one realtor being like, well, you know, there's not enough inventory in the market and it's just not working for me, but that's somebody who got into real real estate because they were chasing money. But then you look right. at somebody who is actually passionate and gives an F about real estate with the same inventory that's still killing it. And it's because they have the passion. Right. Yeah. You never want to get into something just because you feel like, well, so-and-so did it and they were successful. Like, no, you need to have the drive because if the drive isn't there, it's not going to happen. Not going to work. Love it. Okay. I could talk about that for a long time, but anyway. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, we'll like, I'm going to write this down. Good idea. Um, anyway, <laughs> yes. So go. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, actually, I think I've interrupted you 12 times. Do you want to finish a statement in this podcast or no? No, not, not particularly. I only want to do half sentences today. <laughs> that's, that's what I came for, just to start ideas. You finish <laughs> Um, yes. So, but I do, I do want to say like, if you are in a job that is client-based and, and this goes for even beyond like service, you can be a, an accountant and have clients. Like there's so many jobs that you're dealing with people. And sometimes you do have people come in and they are your clients and you have to just kind of be there for them. And what do you, like, what do you do when somebody's really when you are in that hour and you might not be enjoying your time with someone and it's uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. I get really quiet. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I shut up. No, that's never happened. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, so I pray like, I know this sounds strange, but like, I will have a conversation in my head with my guides, like guides, please let me get through this. Show me the lesson, especially if I can't see it. Mm-hmm. Like if I know like, okay, I'm fucking triggered right now, but I have to sit through this hour. Yeah. I pray. Um, I'm trying to think because honestly it hasn't happened in a while at work. Yeah. You fixed it. So yeah, but I would pray, um, ground myself. Like I'll tell myself I'm grounded. I'm safe. I can get through this just so that I can be present and I don't yeah. disassociate because I like to do that. I can go, you know, just all of a sudden I'm levitating and I'm in, I'm in another parallel universe. It doesn't matter what they're doing. Um, (laughs) You're like, Oh, were you talking to me? Oh (laughs) yeah. But it's, and it's it's setting that, like I've asked people too, like in the beginning of a session, like looking back at difficult clients I've had, like if they're fighting me on everything, I'll say like, we don't have to finish this appointment. Like you can go like, I won't charge you. You can go. I'm not forcing you to be here. We always have the power of choice. And once you say that to somebody, it kind of jolts them too. I've never actually had somebody take the option to leave. Yeah. Cause they're like, Oh, she's calling me out. Yeah. So they, I mean, and I do, I think that is where sometimes it's important to like woman up and clear your throat chakra and say something like set your boundary. Like, look, I don't have to be here. You don't have to be here. If this isn't a vibe and we don't like each other, like, please go. And I can do without the payment. And 
every time I've said that I've gained respect from somebody, at least in that moment, Yeah, and it's been easier to get through the hour. So speaking up is huge. Speaking up is huge. It's, um, it's such a kind of like undervalued thing. I think we think, okay, just power through, just power through, just power through. But really it's about like saying, Hey, no more. I'm done. Yeah. Like this isn't okay. Like this is what's happening. Let's just put it out here. Like we're having a rough time and you can go. Yeah. But, and I think it's important to say too, you can speak up without being mean. Like in that statement, I'm not being mean. I'm just, I'm stating facts. We both have the power of choice. If you don't want to do this, we don't have to sit through it. I'm not saying like, screw you. You're a disrespectful piece of poop or whatever. Like I'm not calling names. I'm not being harmful. I'm just stating and reflecting facts. And I think that that is important to know. Like make sure if you finally do decide to speak up, you're not screaming, you're not hysterical and you're not name calling because that's how you're going to actually get to a resolution and gain respect. But if you go into hysteria, name calling and overly triggered, Mm -hmm. speaking up isn't going to serve you. Uh, That's very, very good to know because it's true. And sometimes I think when you're triggered, if you don't take a breath, that's where you're going to go. Is you're going to go like, that's why the prayer is so important. The grounding is so important. Like get centered before you're like, okay, okay, guys. Yeah. Because there is no reason to be rude. (laughs) Yeah. What do you do? Well, I mean, similar. Like I, I try to mostly if somebody's being difficult and I am with them and I know I'm with them for a while, I'm at work. I try to understand that they're probably going through something. So I come first with that, like, okay, most likely this isn't about me. If it is, well, I'll deal with that later, but most likely this isn't about me and they might just need some support, like somebody just to listen. So I'll try to just put on my like, empathetic listening ears and just go, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." even if I'm not agreeing with what's happening, especially if it's like in the salon and it's not a situation where I can be like, Hey, take a look at what you're saying, which sometimes I still do anyway, but, um, (laughs) but I will, I will listen. And then if it's something that I feel, cause I do feel like when you're in a job where you see people a lot and if they're coming in with the same things and And that is triggering to me because I'm like, I like to change things and I like to take inventory of my life and go like, okay, what can I fix? So when people are coming in and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the same thing. I feel so bad that you're stuck here. So I will offer a little bit of like, hey, I... I recognize that this is happening to you. I feel for you, but you know, maybe you should try this, this, or this. And I'll just kind of give them a couple different things. And usually if I'm in the salon, I'm like, also, if you would like to do breath work, that would probably help you get unstuck. And, um, and then after that, I just try to love them and be there for them without it. I'll kind of put up a little bit of my, like, I make like my golden egg, um, boundary, energetic boundary so that I can listen to them without just taking it all in. Right. I, in that, I love that you said that because I think some of us too, if a difficult person for us is somebody who's always complaining about the same things, but Mm -hmm. you know, same thing this week as it was six weeks ago or whatever. And we're triggered by that. Like you said, we have a tendency to over push to, to try to get them to change. So we like start yelling at them or like, you know, we're frustrated with them, but instead 
you can, that is like, it is a good time to like set your boundary of like, you know what? They're not actually asking me for advice. So I'm not going to waste my advice and, you know, put your protective bubble up and just listen. That does protect you other than like getting resentful and being like, I've given you advice on this two weeks ago. You didn't take it. So stop (laughs) talking to me. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, that's really important because people can, you can take it personally if somebody's not listening to what you're saying. So it's, knowing if they're coming, asking you for advice or if they're, you're just the only person they have to talk to about it. And this can be at work or with friends, like friends yeah. also. Sometimes they just, you're the, you're the sounding board. And if you can't be the sounding board for them, that's time to set up a boundary. But knowing that sometimes it's not about advice. Yeah, that's true. That's huge. Okay. So let's move on to how do you deal with difficult family members or extended family? Like, so it can be in-laws, somebody that's not going away in your life. You just leave and never talk to them again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, one, I think with, with family, you have to understand that they are (laughs) part of your life. no no matter what, whether you decide to not be around them or or be around them, like they're still like interwoven into your life and into your memories and into like who you are. So I think that awareness, number one is good because I think some people are like, well, I'm done. I'm cutting myself off. And it's like, you can like set the boundary of not talking to them, but there's still something about them that's in you. Does that make sense? I think that DNA is so innate. I mean, Mm -hmm. you see people like a little bit off topic, but even people that are adopted into really, really nice families innately have this urge to find where they came from. Yeah. So I think that does speak to our pull to, yes, I can cut this person out of my life, but if we have the same DNA, it's natural to feel like something is missing once you cut them out. Right. Yeah. So it's just, I think just having that awareness that they they're probably in your life for a lesson if they're your family. A reason. Yeah. And a lot of times soul wise from a soul contract level, if you do cut them out without getting the lesson, well, now we're talking lifetimes of repeating this. So it's not just going to be this life. I know this is like really, I know. I'm sorry. This is so deep. No, I no, I think it's great, but I think it's, it's something important to note because it's true. Like if, so let's the example, like if you hate your mom in this life and you decide, you know what, I'm 18, I'm just going to cut her off and never talk to her again. Well, there's no karmic resolution. So right. next life, guess what? You're going to get a mom, either the same soul as your mom for another opportunity to fix it or change it or another soul that suggests that similar scenario. So it's not actually going to go away. Yeah. So, so it's important to deal with things work presently. On your shit. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, just to give your soul a little break. I mean, who wants to have multiple lifetimes of a shitty mom? (laughs) No, that's terrible. Well, and I do think the thing with family is like, we get this opportunity to kind of like break generational patterns and breaking a generational pattern might not be like, you're completely distancing yourself from everyone. It means you're like setting boundaries, learning, um, who you are as a person, not just doing things because your family did it one way. Um, but difficult family members are tough and it, it's gonna like hit you over and over and over again. Well, I think there's an important thing to note here too, about being open to the capacity to love and unconditional love. Yes. Because we can set our, let's say we have, let's just, I'm going to use a mean uncle. Let's say we have a mean uncle who just, 
usually if somebody's mean, we've all heard the, the phrase hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. But if you have a mean uncle who's just hurtful every time you see him, obviously he probably hates himself. Right. So it's yeah. not just you. He hates it's everybody. It's himself. He's, he's hurt. You can a set the boundary of like, Hey, um, let's call him uncle Doug. Hey, uncle Doug. I don't appreciate when you talk to me like that. I'm not going to sit in a conversation where you make people laugh at my expense or, or you dig at me. So you set your boundary, right? Yeah. He can either accept it or be like, no, I'm not going to do that. And now you have the choice of, do I go around uncle Doug? Do I go around him and not take what he says personally? Because I see he does it to everyone. Do I pray for him and send him love or teach him how to love himself? Or do I go around him and fight with him every time? I think you get to make the decision now where I've set my boundary yeah. Uncle Doug is still choosing to be difficult. At what point do I accept where he's at? Yeah. Uh, this isn't about me. That's just where he is at. And once you can accept where he is, you no longer have to take it personally. So you can be still in a room with him without getting so triggered. I think that is, it's the most freeing thing when you are able to accept where someone is without taking it personally, because it's like all, I mean, I feel like I've done this with, different people in my life. And it's like all the little things that we're here like, Oh, 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 this is driving me crazy. I can't believe she said that. Or I can't believe he did that. And then when you're like, Oh my gosh, like, this isn't about me. This is like their insecurities or, um, their hurt or whatever it is. Then you're, then you like, look at them and you just actually love them more. Cause you're like, Oh, I'm yeah. You can love them where they're at. Yeah. You like, because you're not, your heart chakra doesn't shut off. So you're not in a place of defense and repelling them. Right. Which is that frustration you're feeling. Now you're in a place of acceptance and loving and able to love them as they are, where they are without trying to fix it and without being triggered. And I think with family, one of the best things you can do is boundaries and then recognize that loving them where they are, it's not about you. this is an important lesson, especially if dealing with like addiction. Yeah. If you have an, a family member with addiction, you don't need to keep giving, giving, giving to them. That's probably not working, but you could love them where they are. Right. Like, cause I think a lot of people, that's where we get messed up. It's like, well, I've tried to fix them for years or I've tried to show them I love them and they're still addicted to whatever they're addicted to. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, no, because they have to make the decision on their own to change or not be an addict. Right. And you can decide not to keep giving them stuff, but you could give them love. Yeah. Well, and I mean, addiction is all about like whatever that person's going through, like they're trying to numb their hurt essentially. So you don't want to enable them, of course, but you, you also want to be there for them. So if, if the day comes that they're ready to not numb, that you can be around and you're not like, have completely cut yourself off. I don't, I don't know. I just, I do feel like addiction is hard because you want to fix but when you realize that you can't and you're just there in the in the best way possible, but it's it's also setting your boundaries because I think addiction is one that people go to that enabling a lot because you're like, this I feel like I have to love them by giving them like giving them money or giving them this. And it, like that's not love all the time. No, <laughs> love not. is more like, hey, I am here for you. What you're doing is not okay for for yourself, but I understand if it's not the time for you to be away from it. And, but I'm not giving you any more money. The end. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's a safe boundary that protects you. Mm-hmm. And I think especially with family, it is so important to note that anytime you feel resentful anywhere, 
So at all, whether they're an addict or just a difficult person, if you're starting to become resentful of them, you are being overgiving. Yeah. And it's so easy to blame the other person. Like they keep taking, taking, taking from me. And it's like, no, you need to make a new choice and not keep giving and pull back, whether it's time, money, effort, love, energy, whatever it is. If you're resentful, it's on you to stop overgiving. Yeah. And I mean, I've had to do this in a with a couple of family members and situations. And I was feeling resentful because I am a giver and I want to help people. But it was like, as soon as I stopped doing that, um, it, I almost feel like it gave them a little more responsibility too. Mm-hmm. It does. Because it shifts something energetically yeah. to what they have to. Yeah. Cause it's like, Oh, she's not just going to yeah be okay with this anymore well, and it makes them work a little bit harder I used to do this with friends like I used to be very giving with my time energy and love and then when they wouldn't do it back for me I'd be like well what and then I was <laughs> like no that's on me so then when I stopped doing that and loved myself a little bit more and started giving more to myself I was not resentful anymore and it was no longer a problem yeah it's so that's just important to note about resentment okay so what about if it's your kids what if your kids are the difficult people Oh, you cry in your room. No, <laughs> I mean, some days you yell on a pillow. Um, oh, I, I always say like with, with four kids, there's always one that's like really triggering you and one that's so loving. And I, I that is an important, I'm so glad that there's that balance, but I, <laughs> I need to have more kids. <laughs> yeah, it does help. Right. Um, when, I mean, for me personally, like when one of my kids is being super difficult, which it'll be different ones at different times for different things. Um, I have to really watch myself. I try to really breathe because you're, you can't just be like, I, I can't deal with you. Goodbye. Most right. of the time. So I have to really breathe. And then I also, offer some breathing for them. Let's breathe together because usually if, if my kids are being difficult, I feel very disconnected from them because I want to throw them into the wall and right. run into the other room. <laughs> so I find that like having a moment if I'm like, Hey, stop crying. No, I'm like, I, you felt your feelings for actually last night. I did this with Lennon cause she's been having a hard time going to sleep and has been a little more afraid of things. You know, I feel like kids go through this at different times. And she just was like crying hysterically. And it had been a long time. And I'm like, okay, I have been loving. I have been this, but I'm like, now it's enough. Now we're done. Like you've cried enough. I'm going to set this boundary right now. So let's sit here because I can't handle it. And I'm going to get mad. Yeah. So we don't want that to happen. So hold my hand and we're going to breathe together. And I know that you're going to be okay because you've, you've done hard things before you can do this. And then we sat and we did like five deep breaths and then she, and she also like looked at me like, Oh, okay. Like you're right. Okay. So what I love about what you did here, communication, again, you communicated your need. And I think so many times as parents, we don't, we go from being patient, patient, patient to flying off the handle. (laughs) And then our kids are like, Whoa. And then we feel guilt. Instead you caught yourself right before you were at your wits. Yeah. You, but you were very close to your wits end and you communicated. You said, look, I've tried and I'm, I'm trying, I'm human and I'm this close to losing it. 
And that gives your children a chance then to make a new choice. But sometimes they just need you to communicate with them. Yeah. I do that. I've done that with Grayson literally today before this podcast. I bought him a turtle on a whim. I don't know. I'm, just, I'm going through something. But, <laughs> but I'm but jealous I, uh, of this turtle. I, I, I think it was a great choice. <laughs> honestly, it's a tortoise. And they're really easy to take care of, honestly. But um he wanted to play with it, but I don't want him to play with it when I can't watch him. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go record the podcast. You need to put it away. And he said, no, he said, no, I want to play with my tor- tortoise. And I literally said, no, look at me. I'm your parent. And my job is to keep you safe. I'm telling you this because I want you and the turtle to be safe. So I'm going to record the podcast. You're going to put them away for however long it takes. And then when we're done. We'll both play with the tortoise together. And then he was like, oh, okay. But it took me communicating that without yelling at him. Because if I was just like, just put the turtle away. (laughs) Then he's going to cry or yell back at you. Yeah, it would have just taken longer. So (laughs) communication is such an important tool for parents. Say why. Why are you telling your child no? Say that you're about to get mad so that they can feel it coming. Like, sometimes children aren't the most (laughs) self-aware. Yeah, like it was was so, it was actually really interesting to watch her face when I was like, listen, (laughs) I'm, I'm done. I can't anymore. Like, I, I was like, I can't anymore. And she goes, oh, okay. Okay. Like it was like, Oh, you're right. I am being, I am being a little insane. <laughs> Oops. I've taken this a little too far. Excuse me. Maybe, maybe, you're right. <laughs> maybe a little aggressive on my end. And also I like that you said, look at me because I do feel like with, with kids, because they're like, Oh, this, 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 like you have to really like get them to focus in on you sometimes so that they actually hear what you're saying. I do that a lot too. Yeah. Like, look in my eyes right, right. now. Let's, let's hear each other. Let's get it. Yeah. Cause they do. Kids want affection. They want attention. A lot of times they don't know how to express their emotion. So it is, it comes in either explosive or, or crying for, you know, an, an hour, hour before bed. <laughs> and so it's like, they, they kind of need a reset too. And if a parent takes control of the situation, that is like, if they're asking what I heard from Lennon last night, from you <laughs> yeah. Lennon saying, I need you to take control of the situation and make me feel safe. Yeah. And as soon as you took control, all of a sudden she could feel safe without her being able to say that out loud. You took control. And now she's like, Oh wow. My mom does have this handled. Yeah. And instead of just being like, you're fine, you're fine. You're fine. Stop crying because yeah. that doesn't feel good. Like if somebody, if I'm crying and someone's like, you're fine, stop crying. I'm like, no, I'm not fine. No. <laughs> so, cause I think sometimes that's our instinct or that's like, I feel like my mom was really great about letting me feel my emotions, but still sometimes it's like, you're okay. Like it was like that, like, you're okay. Come on. You're okay. But it's like, if some, if your kid's crying, they're probably not okay on some level. Right. So like, right. Instead There's of telling them like, that they're needing right now. Yeah. You're okay. Just like, I, I see you crying now. Let's stop. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah, yeah. We've gotten it. I get it. There was some, there was a get trigger. It. You're sad. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> TMI. Let's go. <laughs> You're taking this too far. Uh, anyway, but uh, yeah, kids, kids are hard. <laughs> they are. Well, it's also important to know, like I get a lot of people who are dealing with teenagers and they're like, I don't know what to yeah. do. I'm at my wit's end. Remember it's temporary. Yes. Like, and I have memories and me and my mom actually laugh about this now of where I remember thinking my mom was so mad at me, like she was done. And my mom was like, no, I just had to put that face on. I loved you. Right. But I had to do it to like get through that chapter. I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. And I see it now with my own kid. Like sometimes I have to put my mom like mean voice on. Yeah. And he he's terrified, but I'm like, I'm not really that mad. I'm just trying yeah, to like, not that mad. I just make this go off. quick. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so like kind of having the conversation with yourself in your own head of like, this is temporary. This isn't forever. 
this oh, isn't yeah. going to be our relationship or how it's going to be like our child's not doomed because I think many of us go there to protect ourselves. We want to think of the worst case yeah. so that we're prepared for it, but that keeps us stuck kind of perpetuating, you know, the trauma or the cycle. Right. Well, and I love because every phase is temporary and you think about if, you know, if you're a new mom right now and you're in the newborn phase and it feels terrible. I remember I always told my friends, I'm like, it's six weeks of this and then it gets a little bit better. And, but it's like that with everything. And, um, I think talking to a lot of moms who are in different phases has helped me as a mom. Cause I'm like, okay, yeah, I remember when so-and-so was here and this was hard. And then, you know, two weeks later, there <laughs> it seems like their kid is different. And also knowing like, this is the, the time that we have our children as children is not very long. And so, you know, when they, you do have those, you're going to have difficult moments and they are going to be difficult, but it isn't forever. It's not. And I mean, it's so, I remember even having conversations with you. I feel like four years old, the Grayson was just like prone to tantrums. Oh yeah. yeah. And yeah. And I, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And you were like, Oh, I remember when so-and-so was four. They were like this, it goes away. And I remember the day it went away. I was like, I need to tell Kristen it went away. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. It's so like now when Lennon, like Lennon having this moment right now where she's a little afraid to go to bed, she keeps coming in our bed and like, I'm sure with Tatum, I was like, oh my gosh, what is happening? What am I doing? But with her, I'm like, oh yeah, it's this time. Okay, we're here. And I can just be a little more uh, gentle with her. <laughs> this is probably why the first child gets a lot of pressure because we're <laughs> we're putting so much pressure on ourselves. Right. Like, okay, we're here. This isn't, I, I probably have about six more weeks of this and then you're going to be on. Right. Moved on to the next. Well, and this, if you are a mom, I think it's important to listen to pod parenting podcasts yeah. or have mom friends so that you can see that like, it's more normal than maybe your brain is making it because your brain wants to fix it right now. Right. And we're yeah. you know trying to protect ourselves, protect our kids. So you panic, but having mom friends does allow you to like share, snap out of it, get like you're doing, you know, you know, cheering each other on, like you're doing a good job. It's like, you've yeah. got it. And and it really does help soften some of these blows, yes. these parenting blows. And if you need a good parenting, um, I mean, other than our guru advice, but <laughs> <laughs> if you need a good, uh, parenting Instagram or a podcast, uh, Dr. Becky at good inside is my go-to. And I'm like, what would Dr. Becky do if I'm feeling right? Like I love her. So shout out to Dr. Becky. Yes. <laughs> we can link her, um, Instagram yeah, we'll, at the bottom of this. Yeah, we'll link it. So she's one of my favorite, favorite go-tos. Um, I guess we can go for books here too. Um, yeah. Uh, the Conscious Parent. Mm-hmm. By I will link it on the bottom because I cannot think of, it. it's a doctor something, something, but she has the Conscious Parent and the Awakened Family. Yes. Very good advice in there, especially if you find in your parenting journey, you're getting caught in your ego and you just think your kids are disrespecting you all the time. Yes. Uh, you need a reset and you should read these books because most of the time our children are testing boundaries and learning about themselves through you as a mirror. And so it's learning like this isn't about me. They're not trying to hurt me or disrespect me, even though it can feel like it in the moment. Yeah. And kids are, kids are kids. Like they're just learning. My, I always laugh. My mom will always talk about my dad, like being so annoyed that we didn't know how to do something. And she's like, we have to teach them that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think for a lot of men, especially like, just think that you just know that, like they don't remember 
Um, like learning about it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, kids are just, they're, they're trying out new things and they're not doing things to make you mad. They're doing things because they're like, let's see what happens. (laughs) They're exploring. Yeah. (laughs) So yes, if your kids are difficult, know it's temporary, breathe, make some friends that also have kids that are difficult so that you don't feel so alone. (laughs) Yeah. You're not alone. I promise. Whatever you're going through with your child, you are not alone. (laughs) So then let's move forward with dealing with difficult friends and friendships. Yes. Well, friends and friendships are interesting, right? Because we are humans that are growing and changing all of the time. And sometimes we have friends who we were maybe with at one point and we've done some work and shifted and grown and maybe now we're being triggered by them. And some of it might be because we're seeing some of the things that we used to do in that person. So it's painful to watch once you've already like moved on through it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you find yourself like hanging out with someone and you're noticing all the ways that maybe they're looking at their life as maybe a poor me moment, or I could never do that. Or you see, you see them maybe like talking about people who are abundant and having that, I could never have that attitude. And you've done all these mindset shifts to get out of that. And so you're just with them like, Oh my gosh, it feels heavy. And I think it feels heavier, the more awareness you have about your life and how you can create the life that you want and about learning about manifesting and all of that. And then you're with this person who you can see how stuck they are and you want to shake them. Yeah, no, (laughs) true. I think that in this scenario, it's all the things we've already talked about, but it is important to recognize, recognize why it's a trigger, Mm -hmm. right? Is it a trigger because you've already been there and you've moved on and now you don't, you're fearful for your friend. You don't want them to be there. Yeah. And then communicate. You can mention to them, Hey, look, like, let's say your friend is very mean with their self-talk and you've done a lot of work on changing your self-talk and being nice to yourself. Maybe point it out to them. Like, look, you keep saying you want to lose weight, but every other thing you're saying about yourself is a joke about how much weight you've gained or how fat you think you are. And that's not helping you and it's hurting you. Your friend also has the right to their reaction to that. Yes. But that can bring them some awareness where maybe they weren't aware. Like I've had people point things out to me when I'm being mean to myself. And I'm like, thank you for pointing that out because yeah. you don't always catch it when you spend that much time with yourself. It can really be a gift. It can be a gift to, to like point out some things and that's friendships are kind of for that, right? Like we're supposed to each other. So communicate that is like your boundary. Like, Hey, look, I noticed you're talking really bad about yourself. You've done it a lot during this conversation and I know it doesn't feel good. And I've done a lot of work on myself and my self-talk. That's why I'm noticing it. So it takes some of the blame off of them. And then they have the opportunity to decide if they want to change it. Now, if you realize you're still outgrowing them and like the next three times you see them, they're not changing it. You've already pointed it out. And now every time you point it out, they just think you're being nitpicky or picking on them. Yeah. You may need to reevaluate that friendship. It is very possible to outgrow a friendship. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to hate them. It just means maybe we don't spend as much time with them. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of adults get, uh, I almost feel frantic because they're like, well, I've been friends with them for 20 years. And it's like, well, every friendship isn't meant to laugh. If you're not growing together anymore, it's okay to make new friends, to spend less time with them, but you have to make the conscious choice. Mm -hmm. 
Otherwise, now, if you're constantly triggered by them, it's your fault because you keep making the choice to go back and hang out with them. And they're showing you who they are. They don't want to change. Yeah. And and that's okay. And you, I do think, I like that you said, spend less time with them. It doesn't mean that you're like, goodbye forever, cutting them out of their life, cutting them out of your life. But it can just mean you see them every once in a while. And it's not, you're not spending one-on-one an hour of time or more. Like you're not going to go be with them for the entire night if it's going to make you feel low. Yeah. And that's important too, as we grow and change, if you're doing a lot of the work, like you're on a spiritual journey, spiritual journey and you're learning and growing, and maybe most of your friends aren't there yet. And let's say what you guys used to do every weekend is drink. Like drinking is your thing. That's how you bond. That's how you connect. And, but you're at a point in your spiritual journey where you don't want to get blacked out anymore and you don't need to drink to feel good. Like it's actually okay for you to, yeah, to just be, and you're realizing, wow, I don't want to spend every Saturday drunk or every Friday night at a bar. And then I like weekend and I mean to my kids. Right. Well, that is where you need to be honest with yourself about like, well, maybe these friendships aren't serving me and it's time to find friends who are, have similar interests now to my growth. Yeah. And it can be fun. Find, find new people. And doesn't mean that those people are gone, but you're just doing different things on your Friday and Saturday nights. Well, I learned this like, because I had a child earlier than some of my friends, like my friend group. And so there did come a point where it was like, okay, I need to make more mom friends. Like that's going to feel better for me and my child, because I keep bringing him in these very adult situations and it just doesn't (laughs) fit anymore because none of them have kids. Now, as we've aged, a lot of my old friends have had kids and it it actually does fit back together now. Like now let's do more family things, but it's okay to take kind of a, census of where your life is and decide, Oh, this is, this doesn't fit my life right now. Yeah. And I love that, that it, you said that now they do have kids and there's more family stuff because that can happen, right? You have a minute where you're not aligned and it's not working and then you might find your way together again. And so don't, don't like, I guess, overthink it and over worry about it. Like, Oh, it's been 20 years. How do I do this? And it's like, no, just right now you take a little less time with them find yeah. some people who are aligned with what you're doing. And then, you know, what, if whatever path you guys end up on, they might see you doing that and go like, Oh wow, how cool. Like it, she's really honoring where she's at right now. And she seems really happy. Like maybe I do want some more of that spiritual stuff. And then you send them our podcast and, <laughs> and they start on their journey. <laughs> well, it's a lot of times your friends will see you doing well and wonder what you're doing. And that is an opportunity for them to start to grow with you. Yeah. And how, what a gift, what a yeah. gift you're giving your friends. It is amazing, but it's, it's, it's taking that in. And I've noticed with friendships too, when I'm with them, like, do I feel excited and aligned? Do I feel bored or do I feel triggered? Like, those are the questions I ask myself. If I'm excited and aligned, I'm hanging out with them more frequently. Yeah. If I'm bored, that's a no for me, dog. If I, <laughs> if I am feeling triggered, I assess the trigger, see if it's about me, see where I can take accountability. But if I realize it's just no longer a vibrational match or fit, it doesn't always involve a difficult conversation. I just no. go back. Yeah. It, I think that that's where some people get a little lost is like not, I, I was just talking to somebody about this. Like not everything has to be a difficult conversation, whether it's like with, 
you know, pulling back from a friendship, forgiving someone, like you don't always have to like black and white, like, by the way, I've decided that we're not hanging out as much anymore. So (laughs) goodbye. (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah, like some things we don't have to conversate to to death it's funny because i've said communicate i know but yeah. you also need to know like when it does not need to be communicated like there's a thing that like the young kids say right now like when they're talking and they'll like it's like oh this pizza's really good right and they'll say like say less like yeah it's good we, we get it right and it's my favorite saying because i do feel like there is sometimes where it's like say less like nobody needs to know all that <laughs> No. <laughs> so, yeah, like maybe you just pull back to preserve your own energy, but you don't always have to talk about it. But I think some of us, and if this is you, be honest with yourself, yes, are prone to drama. We yeah. think that it has to be a dramatic ending, or if I'm not going to be their friend anymore, I'm addicted to the controversy of it. No, you're the problem. <laughs> not, you need sacral and solar plexus work. Yeah, you can go go work on those things because, oh man, there's no need. There's no need for the drama. No. But it is true. There is a lot. There's a lot of people who, who like it. Well, let's look at it this way. Let, oh, we didn't cover this topic and oh. this might get us into more. This is a longer podcast just because it's interesting. Um, <laughs> but social media. Ooh. A lot of us find different difficult people on our social media feed. <laughs> and it's A, because they either overshare or yeah. B, maybe they're not in alignment with our belief system, right? So they're the opposite side of what we believe in something. Or yeah. we would never put our opinions out like that. That's really why they trigger you because you would never put your opinions out like that. And I'm not telling you to start. Because frankly, <laughs> it can be annoying. <laughs> it can be too much. But, but that is where this is this works, where it's like you see this difficult pe- person on social media say less. You don't need to get in a fight with them because you don't yeah. agree with them. Just, you can, you can mute them. Mute them. Unfollow or ask yourself, why is it triggering me so much? Is yeah. it because I <laughs> don't share my opinions? Is it because I'm not passionate about anything and they seem very passionate about this? Yeah. And I, I mean, with anything, like ask yourself why you're being so triggered. Yeah. It's just the most important thing, I think. It is because a lot of times the problem is you. If you're really triggered by someone or where they are at in their journey or what they're doing, take an inventory of yourself. Like, why do you care so much about that person's life? Like what they're doing? Like, and I think this is a big one for people who like maybe sell stuff on the internet. Like those, like multi-level. Yeah. Like, and it's like, if you're triggered because this girl wants to sell shampoo, the girl that's selling shampoo isn't the problem. You are like, why are you so triggered by her on her grind? (laughs) Working it. You don't like it. Don't buy it from her, but it doesn't mean you have to hate her. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, social media is the best place to start practicing that, that taking yourself out of the situation because it's so easy to unmute or unfollow or to not say something, but for some reason we feel some people feel like they need if it's, you. If it's the opposite, let's say you post something and, and there's a difficult person who always Ooh, yeah. wants to fight with you on your post. You can literally say like, I'm not going to fight with you over it. <laughs> you cannot respond. Yeah. Because you don't have to prove your point. I mean, there's, there's many options there. I do a lot of times on my business profile, like I'll post things about, um, I posted something this week. It was like, stop arguing about what side you're on and let's start thinking about like plastic overuse in the world. Yes. And three pet people sent me like page long responses of, I think this is wrong. The gist of it was like, people should be able to express their opinions and we should have open minds about it. 
And I was like, I'm not even, I don't even care about this. My whole point was plastic. There's too much plastic. Um, <laughs> so I didn't even respond, but it's, it's just because it doesn't serve me. I don't care. Right. It's not, it's not going to change or enhance your life to keep feeding into that conversation. Yeah. And if they value people having opposing views on the internet, keep valuing it. Great. Thank yeah, you. You do you. Just say less to me about it. <laughs> like, Spend your time somewhere else other than this page long. Yeah. <laughs> Get off my page. I already, I put on here a thousand times. I don't like responding to text messages. You think I want to respond to your page long thing to my post? Uh, <laughs> uh-uh, homie. <laughs> oh, but it's so true. It's so the, the internet is, and social media in general is so interesting how much time people will spend trying to have the last word. I think it's that they want to feel seen. Yeah. But I think the problem with our society is people want to feel seen without seeing themselves and looking at themselves. Yeah. And so when you're looking for something outside of yourself, it becomes a problem. I mean, it's not a healthy way. So for you, we encourage you guys see yourselves, love yourselves. So you're not those difficult people on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> so you feel seen and heard. <laughs> yeah. And the, I think the other thing is sometimes the, the internet seems like a safe place to express your opinions. Cause you're afraid to actually say it in person. And I invite you, we invite you to, you know, use your voice, speak your truth out in person in person so that you're not on the internet no but also like love yourself value yourself explore yourself so that you're not looking for recognition outside of yourself all the time yeah yeah and you gotta you gotta love you number one you're the you're the one you're with all the time like it doesn't matter actually what anybody else thinks as long as you are happy with you and once you get there, that's when you are not a difficult person. Yeah, because then you can look at people with empathy and be like, oh, you're having a hard day. I love you anyway. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Self-awareness. So it helps you with dealing with difficult people and it helps you not be a difficult person. Yes. Um, yeah, I think I think that's covered. Well, we close on that. <laughs> huh? <laughs> what? I said, yeah, we should close on that. <laughs> close on that. I think that's, that's it. No. Um, some journaling prompts. How about yeah. that? Um, I think let's take a look, take some inventory. Who are the difficult people in your life? Yes. List them and then write, why are they difficult to me? And then see what they can teach you about yourself. Yeah. I was going to say, what can I learn from them? What is this teaching me about myself? Yes. This is so important and good luck with it. Yeah. This can be, this can be really insightful if you let it be. <laughs> yeah. Or oh, and we want to say, Oh yeah. Uh, this, is, this is getting released on Monday, August 16th on Sunday, August 22nd, we are doing a full moon ceremony at discovery park at 7.30 p.m. So please reach out to us via text or on our Instagrams if you would like to sign up. Yeah, so it's going to be... We talked about rituals in, I believe it was our last podcast. And this is going to be these rituals in action. So come and you can see what we are doing for this full moon. And 
you know, things are always more powerful in groups. So if you're there yes. and we're all you know, putting things out there together, it's going to be really, really magical. So we'd love to have. Yeah. That. And you can learn fun tips and tricks to bring into the next full moon. Yes. All so, right. We're excited so about reach that. out and we'll see you next Sunday. August 22nd. Yes. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Balanced Chaos Podcast. We're so happy to have you here with us each week. Please help us out by subscribing to the show, sharing with friends, and leaving us reviews. You can also follow us on Instagram. We can communicate with you there. Our Instagram handle is at balancechaoslv. Reach out and we'll write back. Bye. 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 Bye.